Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. I'm Grace. Um, last week, I really, I really have to stop predicting stuff. I have to stop saying stuff. I have to stop speaking my mind, which is not great when you have a podcast. But um, I said last week, oh, these two teams are very evenly matched. This thing's going seven. Um, and then the Diamondbacks only won that one game before the last episode. So, you know. I, I should probably shut my mouth, but also, I'm never going to. So the Texas Rangers have won the World Series. Um, this is, this makes me really happy that I was, I was rooting for the Texas Rangers. I think it's great for a team to win their first championship. Um, you know, it's 62 years without a championship too, right? Like it's, It'll feel different when, like, the Rays or the Rockies do it, just because it hasn't been as long. Although, Rockies now, it's been, like, 30 years, so it's kind of been long. But, you know, for the Rays, it's not like, oh, man, like, this is generations of Texas Rangers fans have lived and died, essentially. So, I I think that's really great. Um, You know, from a Met fan perspective, Jacob deGrom has has a ring now. And I, I think it's stupid to be mad at former Mets for, for winning a championship or to make fun of them for winning a championship with the Rangers that, you know, Max Scherzer left. That was his end goal. That's why he came to the Mets. He didn't come to the Mets because he loves the Mets. He came to the Mets because they represented a good chance for him to win, plus the ability to make all that money. And when you remove the winning part for someone like Max Scherzer, he's going to want to go somewhere else. And that's just the nature of it. Um, no one's really been mad that Travis Jankowski won, which, like, that's just fun. You know, like, guys like that, it's fun when they win a World Series. Uh, like, how it's fun that Will Smith now is the first, the the reliever, not the catcher or the actor slash rapper. Um, that Will Smith, Smith, the reliever, is now the first person to ever win three consecutive World Series with three different teams. That's fun, right? Like, it's fun when guys like that win. Little role players. That, that's It's fun. Um, and it's great that Jacob DeGrom has a ring. Especially, he... Had to go undergo Tommy John this year. He probably is going to miss most, if not all, of next year. And we don't know what he's going to look like when he returns. Because by the time he returns, he's going to be like 36 years old. And will have not pitched a full season since 2019. And will not have pitched at all for a year and a half, two years. There's a very real chance that he comes back and he is never the Jake that we knew. 
And I think it's nice for him to 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 win this because yeah, he has two Cy Youngs, he was an all-star, he's got all these accolades, but at the end of the day, the reason why you play baseball is, you know, reason why you you go into into, you know, major league baseball and and play and try is to win a World Series. And he did that. Regardless of the amount of effort he put in, his his signing with the Rangers is is a lot like, you know, and we've spoken on here but before about how I'm a Liberty fan, is a lot like Brianna Stewart signing with the with the Liberty, right? It provided a, a sense of greater legitimacy. They had legitimacy by signing Semyon and Seeker and stuff, but they went out there and they got the best free agent on the market, maybe Aaron Judge over him, but one of the top two or three free agents on the market last year, regardless of injury history, he's the, when he's pitching, he's the best pitcher in baseball. So it, you remove all the stupid bullshit from people who want to be mad at, at DeGrom and Scherzer. It's cool. Um, and I have really loved seeing all the videos of these um, Rangers fans getting really, really emotional. You can feel that, right? Like, you see that and you feel it. You feel decades of languishing and never getting there. You feel the weight of 2011. You feel the weight of all these years of not being able to do it and finally getting it done, right? It, it's it's just fun. It's fun to see a team win their first. Um, which also now there's five teams that have never won before now. Texas removed themselves from that. There's five teams, and there's been talk now. I've seen, I think there was an article in The Athletic, um, who will be the next team to win their first. Um, And it's really funny, because I think if this was a year or two ago, it would feel different to have this discussion, but I actually think it's closer than people are making it seem, like in terms of between those. I don't know that anyone wins their first for for a little bit, right? Like, the Rays are, are, I guess, considered the closest, and they probably are, but also, you know, they're doing their whole, we're not paying anyone shtick, and the thing is with the whole not, we're not paying anyone shtick other than their, you know, uh, shortstop who's on leave for being a pedophile, allegedly, um, the whole thing with not paying anyone is, you kind of see, like, most teams that don't pay anyone never win anything, right? Like, the A's, yeah, those 2000s teams, those 2010s teams, they made it to the playoffs a few times, but also, like, they never went anywhere. You, you need, like, because you're not paying anyone, people who get paid are, by and large, very good players. So you're not getting the best of the best by refusing to pay anyone, you know? So I, I don't I don't actually know how close the Rays are. Also, again, they've they their pitching is good, but also like half of their pitching staff has had Tommy John over the night over the last year. So who knows what that's going to look like? Um, and it, it just feels like yeah, they could rattle off close to 100 wins like they did this year, and they get swept out of the first round by the Texas Rangers, who paid. Corey Seager, and who paid Marcus Semien, and who paid Nathan Uvalde, and who paid, you know, like, they're, that's the model, really, the team got to follow. Um, on the opposite side of that model, uh, the, the team that is doing that and did not have success this year is the, but they had success, never won. And um, they could be close, but also, like, 
I read that athletic article. I've been seeing the way that team's been operating. Uh, I'm seeing the fact that they want to get their payroll to like $200 million. And with arbitration and, you know, just sort of guesstimating on arbitration, they're at $197 million and they have no pitchers. Um, I think that that probably opens up a Juan Soto trade a lot more. Or I saw something to this morning, I think, or last night, they might try to get creative and move um, Fernando Tatis Jr. or weirdly Xander Bogarts, who they literally just signed last offseason. But they have to they have to find a way to pay pitchers, really, if they want to get that they want to get that money down. They got to find a way to do that. Um, but I think the Padres' issue is, I think, organizational. I think there's sort of a weird structure there, and you see that in the multiple articles that have come out about it both from the player side and from the front office side, I think you're seeing like a lot of different factions. Um, they don't have a manager. Um, Bob Melvin's now with the Giants. So that's going to be an issue, but they're probably just going to get a yes man for Preller because I, that sounds like what Preller wants, right? That was the whole issue with him and Melvin was that Melvin wouldn't just yes him to death. Um, so they could conceivably get there again. They have a very, obviously, a very good team. They have Manny Machado. If they keep them, they have Fernando Tatis. They have Xander Bogarts. They have, I really don't think they're keeping Juan Soto, but they have conceptually Juan Soto. They have Hassan Kim. They've got you Darvish. They've got Joe Musgrove. But also, like, Blake Snell's about to win a Cy Young, and he's also about to be a free agent. And Seth Lugo's going to be a free agent. And they have, literally, their starting rotation is now, like, Joe Musgrove and you Darvish. So I don't know what they they were assuming to accomplish there. Um, the Mariners could be somewhat close. Uh, but they probably need a better lineup. That's probably an issue. Not to say they're not a fun team. Not to say that they don't have good players. But, like, Julio Rodriguez, obviously, game changer in that lineup. But also, like, he's the only game changer you have in that lineup. They probably should sign another big free agent. But they won't because, uh, what's his face? DePoto or whoever said that the, the, the goal is to win 54% of the games, which is ridiculous because buddy, when you aim to win 54%, you're not going to win 54%. The reason why like the Rangers won 90 games, but they were aiming to win more. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to aim for lower and then fall even lower than that. Um, but they have a great rotation. The Mariners. Mariners probably should just trade a pitcher this offseason to try and get a Juan Soto type or something like that. Or Sancho Otani, although don't see them doing that just because um that would probably put them over that 54%, you know. Um the Brewers might be close, although depending on what happens with Council and um Corbin Burns, that team's gonna have a lot of fluctuation this offseason. Um it's funny though, I would put probably the Rays in the like Top four Rays through Brewers all are kind of close to each other. Like I'd probably put them in that order, but it would be like it wouldn't be like the big gaps anywhere between teams. Um, but then the big gap comes and um <laughs> the Rockies. <laughs> the, the the Rockies feel like a like a Rangers situation where they don't, or like a Phillies situation where it takes like a hundred years for them to win. Because what the fuck is going on in college? Like, they need to sell. That's really what needs to happen here. They will not win until they sell that team. And it sucks to say that. But, like, it doesn't really. Dick Monfort has no idea what he's doing. And it's 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 funny. Because it's like, they're one of those teams that's like, I feel so bad for their fans. In the same way that I feel bad for, like, Pirates fans. um, And for a while, Orioles fans. But, like, like pirate the pirates are just actively not trying but then they're falling into good players the rockies can't even do that 
they're holding on to players they should be trading. They're signing guys they shouldn't be signing. They're paying people to take their good players as opposed to, like, getting money back. It's so ridiculously stupid in Colorado that um, I genuinely don't see that happening anytime soon. Like, we got, when was Rocktober? Like, 2007? That should be, that probably will have to last, like, 20 or 30 years for October. Um, yeah, that, that, the Rockies have, I could be wrong. They could turn it around, but, like, I don't see it happening. Um, and then one last thing I want to touch on before we, before we take a break is, um, there's been, there was a little bit of ratings discourse about this World Series. Um, that this was the lowest viewed, I think, in however many years, maybe all time, whatever. Also, that the game one of the World Series acquired less view, had less viewership than the um, NCAA women's basketball finals last year. Uh, first thing I want to say is TV viewing habits have changed. Um, with streaming, with people cutting cable, with baseball not being as big of a sport in the market anymore, um, and with the baseball teams, the two teams being involved being from Arizona and Texas, yes, it's going to have smaller amounts of viewership than before. But also, like, the Oscars do this every year. And this is why you hear the Oscars. And we'll get into this because now there's nothing to talk about other than, like, off-season stuff. So I'm sure we'll start doing Oscar discourse soon. Um, but the Oscars do this every year where it's no one's watching anymore. We got to get people to watch. How do we get people to watch? We nominate popular films. How do we nominate popular films? We create a whole new category. And it's not going to work. And I think what people have to acknowledge with baseball is the same thing that the Oscars have to acknowledge about themselves, is that they become somewhat niche. The Oscars is still massively viewed. The World Series is still massively viewed. But TV viewing habits have changed. People aren't... There's, there's other things for people to do. There's other ways for people to watch TV. There's other things for them to watch. When you have everything ever almost everything ever. I have a problem with streaming being billed as like, you can get anything at your fingertips if you can't. Um, there's a lot of lost media that isn't available on streaming, weirdly. The actual answer to be being able to watch anything ever is probably DVD. Um, but to have so many things at your fingertips, if you aren't 100% bought into the Oscars, you're not going to watch. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to cater to everyone for your show that's the best of this thing. It's the same thing with baseball. You shouldn't have to, there shouldn't be some sort of, like, like the way people are talking almost makes me think that they want some sort of mandate that a big market team has to be in the World Series every year. How do you even do that, first of all? Like, other than just, you know, okay, the regular season, whoever gets the most wins is our champion, but then also we have a Dodgers-Yankees series at the end of the year. Like, that's the only solution to that would really be, right? Um, But also, like, just accept that people aren't going to watch it as much. And yeah, if it had less viewers, all right, whatever. But also this World Series fucking rocked. Like it was so much fun. I had so much fun watching it. It's fun to see two teams that are not always in it, in it. And for a baseball fan like me, I loved it. I had a great time. And I also want to just say that that comparing it to the, there was like a smack of misogyny with the, well, I got less viewership than the NCAA women's basketball final. Yeah, that, like, 
I don't know if you noticed, but women's sports is, like, exploding right now. And especially women's basketball. Like, there was, an, there was a commercial that they were airing during the finals um, and during the playoffs for the, the W this year that was basically talking about how, like, viewership for the W this year exploded. And it was, like, up, like, insane amount. I think one of the numbers was, like, 124% or something like that. Like, it was huge, huge numbers. Um, And... The NCAA uh, women's basketball also had the same thing happen because people are, A, really interested, and B, there's really interesting players that have become, like, big names. So, yeah, people are going to tune in to watch Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark trash talk at each other for, you know, two hours because it's fun. And don't make it into this, like, well, you know, it, it got less viewers than that. Yeah, yeah, I bet it did. Like, what are we even doing here? Who fucking cares what got more views? None of this matters. None of this matters to anyone other than uh, the people high up in these businesses. Like you and me watching this at home. It has no effect on our life how many other people are watching this thing. The World Series is always going to be there. So why are we getting upset? <sighs> it makes me mad. Uh, anyway, I think that's the perfect time for a break. We're kind of just clocking in at like our usual time here. So you know, nailed it. Um, so we'll be right back. And when, when, when we come back, it's going to be, um, we're going to do a little bit of Mets offseason chat. All right. And we're back. Uh, so the offseason has officially begun, right? World Series ended, offseason on. We're in. We're started. Um, free agency has started, but this, this week is only for same team negotiations. Uh, so players signed so max muncie just signed an extension with the dodgers um he had an option anyway but like it's a lot of this week is a lot of like options being picked up options being declined options you know whatever buyouts um so it's been a lot of that this week uh this is like the week that last year the mets got the diaz extension done in. so that's like your your vibe this week not a lot of stuff's gonna happen this week other than options um the big thing that happened for the mets this week um the number one thing is that they interviewed Craig Council. Um, that news, we are recording, I'm recording this at, it's currently 10.06 on Monday. I have my phone next to me, so if anything breaks, I can see it. Um, we are, the, the expectation is that he decides in the next two days. So by the time you hear this episode, you will probably know if he is with the Mets or not. Um, I have no clue. I'm checking my phone right now to make sure that I'm not missing anything. But I currently have no idea. Um, if he's going to be, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking. No. Okay. So we have no idea who he's going to pick. Three teams swirling there where it's the Guardians, the Mets, and um, the news has come out that if the Brewers match the Mets money, the top money dollar offer, he will go back to Milwaukee, um, that the Mets really want him, um, you know, this, there's just a bunch of rumors. The other guy, the other big name for the Mets job is Carlos Mendoza, who is the bench coach for the Yankees. That's kind of it's kind of their second option. Um, but yeah, that's like the big thing that we're waiting on right now. Uh, the Mets also picked up on waivers. They they cleared a lot of guys off their 40 man through waivers and stuff. Guys like John Curtis um, or Curtis. I think it's John Curtis. Um, but, uh Bryce Montez de Oca? Is that his name? I'm so a lot of this stuff happened when I was on my way to a concert. So the name, everything in my head is sort of swirling together with that show. Let's say 
Yeah, Bryce Montes de Oca, Eliezer Hernandez, Tim LaCastro. Like, they cleared a lot of guys. They then picked up the um, the Mariners put uh, pitcher Penn Murphy on waivers. Very good pitcher. Uh, they put him on waivers. So the Mets picked him up. He had Tommy John last season. Um, so he probably won't be back for most of this year, if not all of it. Um, he also is, if you follow me on um, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, um, he is of interest to Met fans because he is hot. Uh, <laughs> I tweeted a picture of him because uh, I saw, I was like, let me let me look at this guy when I get a sense of what he's like. I saw a picture of him with his dog and I went, oh my God, people are going to go nuts over this guy. And so I tweeted him and I'm like, oh man, you guys are going to go nuts. And they did. They went nuts. Um, so yeah, he's, but he looks like he's a very good pitcher. He's a very cute dog named Rue, a uh, little blue healer. Very adorable. Um, but that is no standing on his ability, but he does from his numbers. He had, I think in like limited time, let me, let me look him up. Let's do some, uh, some fun radio here. If you were listening to me type and try to talk my way through it, we're going to go to baseball reference. So this, this season, uh, he only pitched 14 innings uh, uh, because again, the, the Tommy John, but 16 strikeouts, 1.29 ERA, um, over his career, he's pitched 83 innings. Did he come up last year? Yeah, he came up last year. So last year, he pitched almost 70 innings, 69 and a third innings. Um, he had a 299 ERA um, with 76 strikeouts, um, 18 walks. So he, he, he looks pretty decent. You know, he's not going to be the world's greatest reliever, but he looks somewhat decent. This is a good, and he's, again, he came up last year. There's a guy with a lot of years left, and the, the Mariners just cut him because they could afford to. And the Mets are going to take a chance on him because <laughs> they can, you know, whatever they can hold on to him. They don't, it seems to me like they don't have a lot of rule five guys um, from what I remember. So that's not going to be a huge issue for them. Like all the guys that they would want to rule five already on the roster and all the guys that they would want to rule five otherwise aren't eligible for it yet. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, So they're, Basically, it looks like just clearing room for, like, free agent stuff, which is good. You know, this team's going to need a lot of free agent stuff done. Uh, they also picked up the option on Brooks Raley. So, you know, he was fine last year, but of interest to this podcast, I'm just going to say, boo. Get the guy off the fucking team. I'm so over Brooks Raley. I'm like, I've been over. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. They need another lefty reliever. I can't look at that guy anymore. I'm so, I'm so fucking done. Um... But they picked up his option, so he's getting six million next year. Um, and then yeah, next season. I mean, there's sort of there's a few definitive like we know these guys are going to be with the team starting next year. Um, obviously, pretty clearly, um, Omar Narvaez has picked up his option, uh, so he's going to be with the team next year. Presuming they don't trade him, um, but Alvarez is going to start. No way, Alvarez doesn't start. Um, assuming there's no trade, Alonso starts at first base. Um, Jeff McNeil probably starts at second again. This is all assuming there's no trades, but like Jeff McNeil, Lindor's going to be at shortstop. You kidding me? Brandon Emo's going to be in center field. Um, or the outfield, we'll say. Who knows what they do, but probably center field. Um, Kota Senga's going to start. Jose Quintana probably starts, but again, you know, just because they don't have anyone, like they don't, they really can't afford to keep giving away pitchers. Um, and then, uh, he should be ready next year. We should be witnessing the return of Edwin Diaz next year. It should be fun. Um, and then everything else is kind of up in the air in terms of what they're going to do. Because, you know, Marte was hurt so much of this year. I don't 
know that you can depend on him. And Brett Beatty didn't really impress. And they could run Ronnie Mauricio out there at third, but at the same time, like, he was swinging its everything last year. And um, that high batting average got low real quick. It, you know, Mark Vientos is DH, but you should be able to upgrade in this market at DH. Um, you know, so there's, there's going to be a lot of options for the Mets. The Mets are going to have to look at a lot of stuff. You know, they, they're kind of in a, I would say good spot where they don't need to do everything, but they'll need to, there's like enough that they need to do. Um, so there's like a few major targets that we're seeing the Mets link to, uh, obviously Shohei Otani. Um, I saw Bob Nightingale. So I say that the, the Dodgers, the pres- presumed favorites for him, which like, okay, Bob, um, you know, I I'd never take anything he says about anyone to to heart. Uh, and that, you know, includes the Mets. Um, but so they obviously Shohei Otani would be such a win. He won't probably won't be able to pitch next year, but he'll be able to hit. And um going from Vientos or Vogelback to Otani as your DH is in fact an upgrade, despite how many Met fans want to tell you that Mark Vientos is the second coming. Um, he'll probably be a perfectly fine major leaker, but Shohei Otani is about to win his second MVP in three years. Um, so, you know, I would take the upgrade there. Um, the other main top player that we've heard the Mets link to in terms of a um, free agent is, of course, the Japanese pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who just had um, a he, – he's pitching in um, – playoffs for the Oryx Buffaloes, and he had, I want to find the line, because the line was crazy. Oh, it was a must-win game six for his team. He pitched nine innings, it's a complete game, nine hits, one earned run, no walks, 14 strikeouts, and in 138 pitches. So, and a lot of, there's a lot of talk about, it, like, people kind of believe he's coming to New York, which would be so much fun. My dream, again, the dream scenario for Grace is um, an almost entirely Japanese rotation in like two years where they get Yotani, they get Yamamoto, they have Senga. Um, I know Roki Sasaki should be becoming a free agent soon. And I think the word has always been that he wants to go wherever Otani is, um, if I'm remembering correctly. So that would be insane. And... I would absolutely love that. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for it. Um, and then sort of the other person that I think the Mets will probably be linked with a lot if the trade rumors start up is going to be Juan Soto because they restocked their farm system last year, and you don't want to then immediately empty it. But again, there's a chance Luis Aniel Acuna becomes as good as a Juan Soto. Juan Soto is literally Juan Soto. Like you don't need to guess on what Juan Soto is. Um. And with all the turmoil we've heard, I wouldn't be surprised if he's been good the last few years, but he hasn't been as good as he's, we know he's been able to be for like consistent amount of time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns back to the absolute menace of the nationals that we saw. So I, I don't, I suspect they'll probably be in discussions for that probably in discussions for um if the brewers want to trade corbin burns wouldn't be surprised if they get their name in the ring for that one 
Um, and then obviously they're going to have to look at relievers. Um, Josh Hader is a big name free agent, probably going to make close to Diaz money. I don't know that I want Josh Hader on the Mets. Josh Hader's had a very weird career. Um, he's very good, but he's kind of been a little bit iffier the last few years, I feel like. Also on the market, and I assume he's going to go to a team that's going to let him start, but like Seth Lugo's available again. Do you think they could get him? Like, I, that would be really funny if they just let him go start for a year and then come back and they're like, you're in the bullpen again. Um, we'll probably see some trades. With relievers, I feel like what ends up happening is like you don't see it coming. You don't see the move coming. Um, and then they just trade for them, you know, like it's not like, oh, well, the Cubs really want Pete Alonso or the Mets really want Juan Soto or something like that. It's less, it's less telegraphed because the relievers are sort of their own little thing. Um, and then other move like those, those kind of, you know, Otani, Yamamoto relievers, like those are kind of like definitive. We know they, they want to make these moves. They know they probably, we know they probably have to make moves at least in this realm. Um, but potentially, again, like I said before, potentially they're going to need a third baseman. Do they go with a long-term solution? Matt Chapman's a free agent. Um, or do they go with someone that bridges the gap uh, that allows Brett Beatty to go back down and maybe develop more? That allows them to sort of teach him to hit the ball in the air again? Uh, because that was really his issue last year. A lot of the time was he just couldn't. The ball was, they, you know, the Mets love to teach their prospects to hit the ball into the ground for no apparent reason. Uh, oh, it's gonna get through him. No, um, not when you hit it right to a guy. Uh, so do they do that? Do they do they go for Matt Chapman? Do they go for uh? I've heard Heimer Candelario, which would be um like that feels like a one year, two year solution thing. Uh, do they just run want Brett Beatty out there? Hope he gets it. Run Ronnie Mauricio out there. Hope he gets the ability to not strike out forty percent of the time. Um. And then also the outfield. I mean, Soto would fix part of this, but also, you know, they kind of need two outfielders unless, you know, Ryan Mauricio becomes your everyday second baseman, which I everyday um, you know, Jeff McNeil into your everyday right fielder or whatever. But if you need at least one outfielder, probably going to need two because Starling Marte is – um. This makes me really sad to say, but I don't have faith. They have two more years on the Starling Marte deal. I do not believe he's ever going to be the 2022 Starling Marte again. And I think it would behoove the Mets to go from believing him to be, and I know they're paying him $20 million, which makes it a lot more difficult to do this, but it would behoove the Mets to go from considering him a their everyday right fielder to their fourth outfielder bat off the bench. Um, whatever happened with his groin is not helping him. And he is, I want to double check the age here because I don't want to get this wrong. Um, Starling Marte is, he's going to be, he just turned 35. So by the time his contract ends, he's going to be 36. Seven, um, and he had to have double groin surgery, and now he can't. And he had really bad migraines that no one knew the cause of, and we still haven't found out what the cause is of that. And I hope that he's okay. But this guy's having migraines, and he had to have surgery on his groin, which is going to, especially at his age, probably sap speed off of him. 
And when you remove speed from Starling Marte, you're kind of removing a big part of his game, both offensively and defensively. Because he wasn't great in right field for the Mets in 2022 to begin with. And now you're going to take away speed from him. And Brandon Nimmo has to start out in Passaic to be able to run in on baseballs, which works for him. Like, it works for him in center field. And I'm glad that they figured out what his problem was out there. But also, like, you're going to have to have him start in Passaic and then run over to right field, too, to cover for, for Marte. It just doesn't make sense. Um, not that Juan Soto is the world's greatest, le- like, outfielder. But also, you know, if you, you know, you put him in left field and then you put Jeff McNeil in right and you figure out something in the infield or whatever, like, there's, there's got to be, it feels like they're going to have to make a choice here. And I think that's going to be another interesting part of this offseason is seeing what choices they make about players they already have. Um, so I think that about wraps up the Mets offseason chat. Still no news in the last 15 minutes on Craig Council. So we will take a break. And when we come back, we'll do um, a little bit of just discussing what I am thinking for the show going into the offseason. And, um, our patented movie minute. All right, and we're back. Um, so we're going into the off season now, and there's no baseball. <laughs> um, so you know we're going to talk about the off season stuff. We'll talk about big deals. We'll talk about the Mets stuff. Um, but there's probably going to be a lot of room on the show now. It's going to have a little bit of extra breathing room. Um, so I was trying to think what we want to do. Now I'm. Not a football fan. Uh, so, and I will not become one for this show. Uh, <laughs> I love this show, but I just, I can't do football. Um, so we're not going to cover that. But r- currently, right now, the when we'll talk about this next week and we know who the winner is, uh, the NWSL's in playoffs. Um, so we can talk about that next week. Uh, and the, the Gotham's in it. It's a really fun story. Gotham, Ali Krieger versus Megan Rapinoe. Maybe we'll do some. We'll do some some American, uh, some soccer and or football if you're cultured. Uh, chat next week. Um, we're also coming into and as a movie fan, this is this is like I, I always talk about how the year is kind of perfectly set up for me, um, because I love baseball and I love movies, and it's kind of perfect the way that the two line up because it's like baseball season ends right as Oscar season is going into full year and then Oscar season ends and it's spring training. It's perfect. They, they really nailed that. Um, when they were designing that, I'm sure that they went into the lab and they really figured that one out for me. So I was thinking we do more movie chat. Uh, maybe we, we start doing, um, some little bit of Oscar previews. There's going to be award shows in there. The Gotham awards are in a few weeks, um, which are like indie kind of indie. They took away the, the budgetary restrictions this year. So Barbie is nominated. Um, but it is mostly indie New York vibes there. Uh, so maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do some baseball sports movie talk. Um, we'll, we'll start covering like, like famous baseball movies. We'll do little watch, little watches. Uh, we'll talk. Maybe I'll get some people on here. Uh, I know, I I know, I got some people who who like to discuss some uh, movies with me, some baseball movies. Um, and then uh, maybe there'll be more gay stuff. I don't know. It's really tough. This is this is a tough nut to crack this off season. But I think the most fun thing is that we're all gonna figure it out together. You know. Um. So yeah, we who knows who knows what the show looks like in like three weeks, but. We'll all get to see it happen together. Uh, 
Yeah. So speaking of talking about movies, um, the final bit of our show, the patented beloved moment, the movie minute. Um, so I was thinking about my favorite noir films for noir member. And um, there's a movie from the 50s called Panic in the Streets. Um, directed by uh, Aaliyah Kazan, who, if you know the name, uh, he directed, um, wow, my brain completely forgot the name of A Streetcar Named Desire for, like, five seconds there. I just saw Desire, and I couldn't think of the rest of the name. Um, On the Waterfront, Streetcar Named Desire, On the Waterfront, um, Gentleman's Agreement, a lot of those older, really great theater director came to, came to, to Hollywood, classic Hollywood director, uh, name names in the in the um communist you know the red scare in in hollywood um which is what on the waterfront is about maybe one day i'll recommend on the waterfront because i think it's a very fascinating movie i could do like 10 minutes on that movie um but yeah so this is a film noir Uh, what's really fun about it is that it's actually in a in something that was very rare at the time it was shot entirely on location um, which was not frequent back then because that was more expensive, you know, because these studios had, um, which is a Fox film. So Fox had a soundstage. They had back, they had back lots. They had places you could shoot, uh, which was cheaper for them than to send productions places. But they shot it in Louisiana, in New Orleans. Um, and it has a bunch of people from the area playing in both speaking and non-speaking roles. So it's very authentic. feels very real. Um, and what's really interesting about this movie is, and it was, a lot of people talked about it um, at the time, a couple of years ago when the pandemic was really big. It's actually about, because um, normally noir films follow detectives, cops, or criminals, or something like that. This, the main character, Richard, who's played by Richard Widmark, who, I, I, if you see this movie, you like him. I like Richard Widmark. He is like Mr. Noir of the 50s. So you could go through his his catalog and find a bunch of stuff. I'm sure I'll probably recommend another one of his movies this month. Um, he's a officer from the public health service um, who teams up with a uh, like a police captain. Um, and they have to stop an ap- epidemic of of like the, the plague, like mnemonic plague or something like that. But they have like a day. They have like one or two days. And it all starts because the cop, you know, they bring in they bring in the the public health service guy. He's like this this guy got killed on the waterfront, but he kind of like a little weird here. And he's like a he's like case he's like a like a number one case. Like he's like like the first case in the area. And they realize like whoever killed him probably caught it. And now we have to stop him. So it's like they're trying to find this guy to get him so that he doesn't spread the thing. It is crazy and it it's just it's one of those movies that's kind of wild to watch because it kind of gets what would have happened in a way like that like like it feels real to what we experienced with the pandemic that like people aren't willing to like help and stuff like that. He has to he has to convince people that this is happening. People aren't willing to believe him. And because he's like trying to get this done. But they literally. They have like two days. And if they don't do this. Everyone's going to get the fucking plague. 
So it's it's so good. And it's, again, the great thing about these noir films is that they're almost always, newer ones are different, but like the old ones are almost always like in and out, 90 minutes. This thing is like, I think, I'm looking at it right now. It's 96 minutes long. In and out. And it's just, get in, get out. We're going to get the thing done. Great. And the cast, like, you go down the list, there's two big, there's Jack Palance is in it, in, like, his first role. And if you're a fan of Mel Brooks, um, his 1967 film, The Producers, Zero Mostel, is in this as well. Um, So this is, it's just, it's such a good movie, you know? And it's one of those ones that I think everyone talks about. I'm trying to think of what the other Richard Widmark film is. Because it's, like, a Richard Widmark film that everyone talks about. I just saw it in the theaters last year. And I'm going to see the name, and I'm going to go... Um, what is it? Night in the City. Night in the City gets talked about a lot. It got a criterion release. It's Jules Dassin film. It's a great film. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic film. But I think he also he did this in the same year as as Night in the City and No Way Out, which is an all timer run. Um, but this is like low key, maybe the best one. Um, am I planning on recommending? If if I am, she didn't hear it from me, but. I may or may not be planning on rounding. Um... Oh, okay. I'm not currently, but this will be where I recommend it. No Way Out, which is directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. Um, another noir starring Richard Woodmark. He's in that one with Sidney Poitier. Um, and <clears throat> it's Sidney Poitier is a doctor and he has to sort of, he's, he's like tending to sort of, you know, he's, he's a black doctor. So he's, in like this not great situation where he's tending to slum residents, criminals, everyone like that, and helping them. And he sort of, he gets put in this situation where he has to tend to Richard Widmark, who is a robber, who's a racist, and he doesn't want to get operated on by a black man. And it's fantastic. So there you go. You're getting a double recommendation from me this week. And I wasn't even planning on doing that, but I have to shout out my two of my favorite 1950 noir films so panic in the streets and i'm going to look up both of them i'm going to see if they're streaming um if they're not i i've said this before and i'll say this again your public library is your friend you go to the public library you can find these films on dvd and you know it's worth it to yeah so neither of them are streaming go to your library find them now Remember, they're both from 1950. I believe Panic in the Streets is the only movie with that name, but no way out there's a movie from, like, the 80s with the same name. It is not that one. 1950 has Sidney Poitier in it. The other one does not have Sidney Poitier in it. Should be pretty easy for you to figure that out. Um, But, yeah, I recommend both films. Um, Totally worth your time. And, again, they're both... I believe believe No Way Out is also really short. Um, No Way Out, 1950 hour and 47 minutes you could watch both these movies in four hours which is the same amount of time as four episodes of law and order so like spend an evening with film noir and you can thank me later all right so i think that's a that's the perfect place to wrap the show up um yeah so you can find us on twitter or x whatever you want to call it at fib pod um, we're on Instagram at flushing is burning pod and you can email us at flushing is burning at gmail.com. I still cannot believe we got that handle. You couldn't get it anywhere else. We got it there. 
Um, you can also um, go to homerunapplesauce.com where you can subscribe to the Patreon for our entire channel, which I assume if you listen to us, you listen to our other podcasts on the channel. Uh, if you don't, I recommend it. Um, we love the folks over at From Complex to Queens and and uh, Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series, and of course, part of their own. Um, and if you go to Patreon, it's $5 a month and you get to support all of us. And um, yeah, there's exclusive access to our Discord, um, exclusive episodes. Um, I think they do playlists from time to time, curated by certain members of the the, the podcast team. I haven't been asked yet, um, but trust when I am, it will be bananas. Um, yeah, so I recommend you go there. And thank you for listening. I'm going to double check right now for the last time to make sure that the Craig Council news has not broken. We're looking. It has not. So the next time I talk to you, we will know where Craig Council has gone. I'm fully anticipating. It's 10.33. Fully anticipating. I hit end recording in like 15 minutes. The news is going to break and I'm going to get so mad. So thank you for listening. Uh, talk to you next week. <laughs>